Let us pray. Oh God, oh Lord, you search me. You know me. You know every one of us. You know where everybody's coming from. Some of us are emotionally um, wrung out, worn out. Some of us have physical problems, illnesses, sicknesses. Somebody have, some of us have somebody close to us who's ill. Some of us are so full of joy and we can't wait for spring. Most of us, God, are just somewhere in between and all mixed up. And yet you know everything about us. You know everything about us, God. Where can we go from your spirit? Where can we hide from your face? If we climb to the heavens, you're there. If we lie in the grave, you're there. If we take wing on the dawn or dwell on the sea's furthest end, you are there. And there you will be present. You're so much faster than us, God. We are simply always trying to catch up with some knowledge about you. And sometimes you're just beyond words. And so that's why we've gathered. We've come to be washed over by you, filled with your presence, to be reminded of who we are, that we're human beings and not just human doings. So God, may we worship you and give back to you what was never ours in the first place. So search us, O God, and know our hearts. Test us and know our thoughts. See that our paths are not wicked and lead us into an everlasting way. We pray this with glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. We all said, Amen. I remember watching that scene in the theater in horror. You know, Luke Skywalker, he's going off half-cocked. He's going into a situation for which even I, at you know, seven years old, could tell he's completely unprepared. And sure enough, within 30 minutes, Han Solo is frozen in carbonite, and Luke gets his hand chopped off, and he falls down a giant exhaust vent, and he's hanging on an antenna underneath Cloud City, and it ends up just how we thought it would. And we, you know, Luke should have stayed and finished his training with Yoda. But then that's where the movie ends. So we had to sit in suspense for three years. And then Return of the Jedi comes out. And I remember sitting there, and when Luke says, I've got a promise to keep to an old friend, he's going back to Yoda. I thought, oh, good, finally. Finally, we're going to get back on track and learn all those secrets that he missed the first time. And then this happens. So let's watch what happens in, in Return of the Jedi. Face you make. Look, I so old to your eyes. No, of course not. <clears throat> I do. <coughs> yes, I do. Sick have I become. I heard him weak. When 900 years old you reach, look as good you are not. Hmm? <laughs> Soon will I rest. Yes. Forever sleep. Whom did I have? Master Yoda, you can't die. 
strong am I with the force, but not that strong. Twilight is upon me, and soon night must fall. That is the way of things. The way of the force. But I need your help. I've come back to complete the training. No more training do you require. Already know you that which you need. dead but last time he said that Luke still needed to learn more and, and now you're telling him that he already knows everything he needs to know my 10 year old self was very confused as it turns out Yoda is not the first dying mentor to say something like this Jesus was gathered in the upper room with the disciples for the last supper he's just giving them three pieces of horrible news he says, one of you will betray me this very night. He says, before morning, one of you will deny that you know me three times. And then he says, I'm going away, and where I'm going, you can't follow. Not right now, anyway. Clearly, something big's about to happen, and these guys need to gather around the master for some more wisdom. They need to gather around and complete their training. And then this, uh, and then this happens. Gospel of John, chapter 14. Verse 1, Jesus says, Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There are more than enough room in, rooms in my Father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I'm going. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so... How can we know the way? I'm leaving you, Jesus says, but you already know the way. Already know you, that what you need. <laughs> Thankfully, Thomas says what we're all thinking. No, no, we don't know. We don't know where you're going or the way. We all come to this place in life. We're no longer sure where we're going, and so we certainly don't know the way to get there where life seems to have just as many, if not more, questions than answers. We turn to science for a while, hoping that'll help us figure something out, and it tells us something about how we got here, although not as much as we were hoping. But science has been no help helping us find a marriage or keep a marriage. So why don't we focus on love and gratitude? Love is all we need, said the Beatles. Let's do that. And that gets us a long ways down the road of life. But surprisingly, love alone doesn't seem to be all we need because it's not helping us a lick figure out how to raise kids because let's face it, we couldn't love those kids any more than we do. And it's just still really, really confusing about where it's all headed and how to get there. So we must need some wisdom and some self-help and some counseling. And that all has done us a lot of good. 
but it doesn't really seem to be touching our career or our workplace or our, our physical health, which falls apart day by day. We find ourselves needing a grand unified theory for life, some one thing. Now, finally, somewhere along the journey for many of us, we surrender to the idea that if God has created all these things, then it must be walking with God that will cause all the pieces, our origins, love, family, work, health, all to fit together. That's great, but there are hundreds of thousands of different conceptions for who God is. There are 41,000 brands of Christianity alone. Finding our way to this true God who can make all the pieces fit together might be like navigating an impossible maze. No wonder 80% of the people in our town this morning will stay home from church. 60% of them will never come. Not unless you invite them, and many not even then. Because we all feel like Thomas. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? So Jesus tells them the way, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Philip, one of the other disciples there, is not sure he has understood this correctly. If Jesus has already shown them the Father, uh, Philip's pretty sure he was absent that day and missed it. So he asked to see it again. Verse 8, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father again, and we'll be satisfied. Jesus replied, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the works you have seen me do. Uh, now, we've had 2,000 years to get used to this idea of Jesus and the Father being one, but I have to believe for these guys in that upper room, if you can put yourself there, this must have been a hair stand up on the back of your neck moment. Someone says, show us God. And Jesus says, I already have. I'm standing right in front of you. I've been with you every day for three years. It's always the things we already know that save us, isn't it? I went to seminary, school for ministers, to learn the secret of being a really great pastor. And what I learned was, try some things. If they don't work, try some other things. Make a lot of mistakes and learn from them. Well, I already knew that. But still, the peace of mind was invaluable. To know there is no great secret that I'm missing. Being a pastor is not a lot different professionally than being almost anything else. You learn as you go. Don't we always find that to be true? It's the things we already know. I went to marriage counseling and, and, and paid all that money to hear these words. You love your wife and she loves you. 
Now you just have to talk to each other and listen to one another until you really understand where the other one is coming from. I already knew that. But again, the peace of mind, knowing I wasn't missing some secret to marriage and learning some skills on how to listen, was worth the money we paid. Have any of you ever bought a P90X or one of these other workout systems? Any of you ever pay a personal trainer or instructor of some kind to get in shape? At the end of it all, didn't you really pay someone to tell you, don't eat junk food and exercise every day? We were hoping for a secret, but there really wasn't a secret beyond that, was there? Yes, you learned six different kinds of pull-ups, and that was really fun. But there was no secret. However, that's what they helped you do. Once they help you put out of your mind the false hope that there's an easy button somewhere and you're just not finding it, once you put that hope out of your mind, it gave you the strength you needed to order a chicken salad and do six different types of pull-ups. I signed up for 13 weeks of Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Some of you are in that right now. 13 weeks of this message. Y'all need to stop spending so much money. Dave Ramsey himself tells you, I'm not telling you anything your grandmother couldn't have told you. But hearing it, that there's not some secret, is in many ways priceless. Already know you, that which you need. And so Jesus says to them, There is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So Jesus has made a lot of room in heaven, enough for everyone who wants to be. And you don't need a map to get there. There are not secret directions that you're missing. You just follow the one who came from there. Jesus basically says, stick with him and you'll get there. If you're reading about Jesus, you are reading about God. If you are obeying Jesus, you are obeying God. God has an address on earth, and the address is Jesus. So personally, I cannot tell you a lot about heaven. I don't know, you know what it's like or what you do. Um, I can't tell you much about what's beyond the curtain of this life, but I can tell you how to get through the curtain. And I'm not nearly the first person in the 1500s, Martin Luther said, forget about speculating about God. Hold on to the man Jesus. He's the only God we've got. Before him, in the 400s, Augustine said, walk by the man and you will arrive at God. I really wanted to write you a fancier sermon this morning. I wanted to write you something that... Uh, had a, a great twist at the end where there's a great secret that's revealed. But maybe, maybe this is better. 
here in the middle of the season of Lent. To be reminded of the things we already know. The priceless thing we already know. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. Now that's actually very controversial in our culture. Very controversial. It's controversial because Jesus didn't say, I am a way, I am a truth, I am a life, you might have. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And he capped it off saying, no one can come to the Father except through me. And that in our culture strikes us as mean. That strikes us as exclusionary. It might even rub us a little racist because it leaves out huge parts of the world where people have other religions or, or no religion at all. So when Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me, we are very quick to jump up and say, I I'm sorry. He didn't really mean that the way it sounded. We start compensating for a mean God. Compensating is something we do when we're in a dysfunctional relationship. Like a mom who always says yes to the kids even when she knows she shouldn't because dad is a mean drunk who always says no. So she's compensating. Or a husband who becomes more scheduled and more focused on keeping the house neat and clean and orderly because he's married to a woman who's kind of a messy, disorganized, free spirit and he's trying to teach her the value of orderliness and neatness. He's compensating for her. These types of, of relationships get into trouble really, really fast. Because no one likes to be treated that way. No one likes to live with someone who's always trying to be the matter to their anti-matter. No one likes someone who basically with everything they do is saying, I don't like who you are. So look at all I have to do to compensate for your shortcomings. So when Jesus says, no one comes to the Father except through me, and we say, not really. I mean, I'm sure there are, there are many ways to God. We are, in essence, saying, Jesus, I am embarrassed of you. And I have to soften your harsh message. But what is it about anything Jesus has ever said that is harsh? Have you heard any prayer this morning, sang any song, heard any scripture read this morning that struck you as harsh? Who is this God who comes to reveal himself to us? No God has ever done this. All the rest said, you know, behave and you'll find me. This is the God who came to show himself to us, to live on this earth among us, as one of us, to go through all that we go through. All the time he is with us, he served us, loved us, forgave us, in the end died for us rose again and promised us the same journey. What about that is, is harsh? Everyone, I don't think it's Jesus we're embarrassed of. I think it's the church. I think we've all gotten really, really tired of Christians running around spreading the gospel of hellfire and damnation, almost gleefully announcing all the different people who are not going to go to the Father. You can't read the comments section on anything on the internet anymore, can you? You watch a YouTube video where someone's trained their cat to flush the toilet. 
And the two, there's like two comments. It says, oh, that's cute. Wow, how'd you do that? And then comes the comment, isn't God amazing? He makes cats smart enough to flush the toilet. And then someone says, I don't believe in God. Well, you better turn or you're gonna burn in hell. You know, am I the only one who noticed this? You can't read past comment number six on anything on the internet without finding somebody telling someone they're gonna burn. They're so mean. They embarrass us. So many of us have started to try to compensate. We say, you don't have to go with these mean people. I'm sure there are many ways to God. But we wind up giving away Jesus in the process. New Testament scholar N.T. Wright wrote about this compensation. He said, the trouble with this is that it doesn't work. If you dethrone Jesus, you enthrone something or someone else instead. The belief that all religions are really the same sounds nice and democratic, though the study of religions quickly shows that it isn't true. What you're really saying if you claim that they're all the same is that none of them are more than the distant echoes, distorted images of reality. You're saying that reality, God, the divine, is remote and unknowable, and neither Jesus, nor Buddha, nor Moses, nor Krishna gives us direct access to it. They all provide a way toward the, the foothills of the mountain, but not the way to the summit. I'll go a step further and say, when you say all religions are the same, you are in essence saying, God hasn't tried to show us who he is. And if God is hiding from us, he's never going to be found. The thing to tear down this morning is not Jesus' words. The thing to tear down this morning is an unkind, elitist, self-important church that's more excited to tell people who's going to hell rather than to proclaim the way, the truth, and the life to heaven. And when we tear down this graceless religion, in that moment we are walking with Jesus because he has already torn it down. In this passage... Do you remember that he got down on the floor and he washed the disciples' feet? And while he washed their feet, he said, I am your master. That is true. And none of you is better than me. That is also true. But look, I am down on my knees washing your feet. So if you're my followers, you'll get out there and you'll wash the world's feet. If that wasn't clear enough, he said, they will know you're my followers by how you love one another. Your love should shine into the darkness and that's how they'll know you belong to me, by your love. If that wasn't clear enough, he said, in my father's house there is plenty of room. I go to prepare a place for you and you and you and you and you. None of this has a message that should send us out of here self-important and self-righteous. Jesus is not exclusionary. He is very definitely reaching out to the whole world. There are churches in North America, but there are churches in South America. There are churches in Europe, but there are churches in Asia and Africa, and the churches in Asia and Africa are the fastest growing. Jesus hasn't come to keep people away from God. He has come to bring people to God. Jesus is the only way. But he is a wonderful way. He's the only way because there isn't anyone else coming for us. In fact, no one else said they would be coming for us. 
If you let the bus that takes you to Jesus leave the station, there isn't another one scheduled. But what a wonderful journey it is. What a wonderful God and Savior He is. It's a wonderful way. If you knew the way that led to any kind of truth, you would never tell someone you care about about to take other false paths that don't get there. You would never tell someone, oh, I'm sure there are many roads to financial peace. Savings is fine, but if you want to take out a bunch of payday loans, I'm sure that'll get you to financial peace just as well. You would never say that. You would never tell a friend of yours who wanted to get into shape, oh, diet and exercise. You know, I'm sure that's not the only way. You could also eat ice cream with every meal. You would never tell someone struggling with marriage, well, have you tried verbal abuse? I heard it works just as well as counseling. Neither should we take it upon ourselves to compensate for bad Christianity by making an even worse Christianity that tells people to ignore the Christ God has given us. Now, that doesn't mean that we have to go to this extreme and take up this message of our God can beat up your God and you better turn or burn and aren't we cool? Look at us. There is a third option. And we here at Lakeland and in many churches around the world are preaching a third option lifted right off the pages of these scriptures. Verse 12, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. What did he mean? Will do the same works he has done. Did he mean that, uh, did he mean that we're going to walk on water and all that stuff? Raise the dead, multiply fish and loaves? Probably not. There have been certainly Christians since Jesus do that sort of thing, but not very many. I've never seen that. He must have meant something else. The works that Jesus does that he's talking about here is showing the world that God is seeking us out to give us an abundant life. This is what we hope in our congregation, that we love each other and love the world so well, that we serve each other and serve the world so well, that people who encounter us find us so kind, so fun, so humble, that when we get around to saying, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, that they'll be able to say, I bet that's true. I bet Jesus is the way to God. I mean, look at his people. As a matter of fact, show me this Jesus you follow. I want to follow him too. Verse 12 didn't stop there. It said, you'll do the works that I do. It said, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. And even greater works. I believe those even greater works are reaching more people with the message of this God who loves us. You know, Jesus never left Palestine. He never traveled more than walking distance away from the place he was born. But his followers have gone everywhere in the world. Now, that's a, a, an interpretation of what Jesus meant by even greater works. But I'll stand by that interpretation, and I'll back it up this way. Um, when Jesus raised from the dead, he told his disciples, now I want you to stay in Jerusalem until you have the power of the Holy Spirit before you begin your mission. When the Holy Spirit 
uh, empowered the disciples, they didn't start talking about all the crazy miracles they could now perform. They started talking about all the people they could now reach and all the places in the world they could now go. In fact, the first miracle of the church was the disciples being given the power to preach to people from other parts of the world. So I believe Jesus was indeed talking about spreading the way, the truth, and the life. The amazing thing is he intends to use you and I to do it. Somehow there's something in it for you and I to grow closer to God. We have to be part of sharing the good news. Frightening, but he promises to equip us. Verse 13, he says, You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Now, we all went through that stage of our spirituality where we thought he meant that we could pray for 2020 vision and throw our contact lenses in the trash. And, you know, then we had to go buy new contacts. And we went through that stage where he thought he meant, you know, we could buy a new truck. But over time, I think we figured out that he's talking about his mission in the world. He said, if you ask me for anything so that the Son will bring glory to the Father, I will do it. He didn't suddenly change topics. He's still talking about these greater works and the spreading of this invitation of God. So probably when you ask for anything in Jesus' name, it would be helpful if you're asking about something that had to do with Jesus' mission and showing the world this God who loves us. That's what it means in this chapter anyway. So this is the season of Lent. This is a season of introspection. This is a season of looking deep inside ourselves to discover if there's anything that God has searched out that he wants to change about us, to grow closer to him. And some of you this morning are looking deep inside yourself and, and what you may be hearing is, it's time to follow Jesus. It's time to walk with him. You just, uh, you walk with him and you arrive at God and it's time to begin that journey. You don't have every question answered, but enough. Others of you are looking deep inside yourself, and what you're hearing the Lord say is, now look out. Look out to your neighbors. Look out to those people sitting next to you at, at the soccer field or, or Little League. Look out to your office lounge. Look out to your people you hang out with at school. Look out and see the people that God loves. And share with them the way home. Tell them God's address. It is Jesus. They may already know that. But be, to be reminded of it again by someone you like, someone that cares about you, someone you trust, it can be priceless to receive that message that already know you that which you need. Jesus gave us a meal to remember that if the communion servers want to come forward in which he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body and it is broken for you. He gave them a cup and said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So if you think you can't come to me because of something you've done, I want you to see the Father is in me and I am pouring out my blood. If I say it's forgiven and paid for, it's forgiven and paid for. Now, follow me. Nothing's holding you back. You're completely welcome. You already knew that, but some of you may have needed to hear it again. So we come down to hear it again. We tear off a piece of bread. We 
hear it again. We dip it in the cup. When we take it into ourselves, we receive this God, we receive his forgiveness, and he's in us, symbolically, and, and for real. And we walk out, empowered by that. I'm going to give you three lines that we're going to say together. You already knew these, but they're priceless truths. Let's read them together. Christ has died. Christ Christ is risen. risen. Christ Christ will will come come again. again. Come forward when you're ready. Hi there. I'm Gary Kanabi, and this is my small group story. I've been coming to Lakeland for about 11 or 12 years, uh, dragged here kicking and screaming by my eldest daughter. After some really fun stuff in Kids Zone at the theaters, um, my eldest asked me why I hadn't inquired about a small group. Um, for not having any Jewish bloodline, she has a way of laying on more guilt than Lot. So I finally succumbed, joined a small group, three guys at a morning breakfast on Wednesday mornings. Um, as time passed, the macho facades faded and uh, real friendships started, core friendships that developed and uh, we evolved into taskmasters and standard keepers and God chasers. Life sometimes comes to you like an asteroid storm from Star Wars. And uh, sometimes it's a devastating job loss. Sometimes it's an illness, injury to you or yours. Uh, Sometimes it's a divorce or it's a reconciliation. No matter how strong or how resilient or in command you are, the weight is lighter if you have help lifting it. When you get to a tough crossroads in life, whatever they are, personal, occupational, health, sometimes you need a little help. You need a second or a third voice, calmer, detached, but not judgmental, because at any time, this could be them. 2007 and 2008, my real estate brokerage was failing miserably. I kept pouring our retirement savings into it and to stay afloat. My brothers finally came down on me hard and said, ditch the ego, close the doors, go back to doing what you love to do. They held me to task and supported me beyond any expectation. It was hard. But they kept hammering at me kept saying, God wants you to be happy in your life, working with the gifts that he's given you. So why are you fighting? So that over, um, today I am such a blessed man. I have a great life, greater than I ever expected. Uh, Beautiful wife of 50 years as of April 10th. Two daughters, sons, and five of the greatest grandkids. <laughs> Unbelievable. I am. I'm just just blessed beyond beyond words. But it's not because of me. It's through him. It's the fellowship, dependability, concern, and love of these ragtag individuals that these great things have unfolded in my life.
Um, I'm in a new group now. It's just as dysfunctional, just as odd, and just as indescribable. But we're still chasing God, and we're as dependable as a heartbeat. Our group has done some Bible study. We've done some book study. We do some movies. Uh, we do some royal watching. We do some simple shooting of the bull when it's needed. Uh, we meet Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock at one of our houses, usually Mike's because he has the best snacks. Uh, hour and a half to two hours. If you're interested, uh, see me or Marta, Mike Cooney, Terry Tuggle, or Bill Daughtery. Um, if you want to, you will. If you don't, you really will wish you had. I might sick my daughter on you. Several years ago, I was in a small group like Gary's, and mine was getting stale. So we decided we needed some new input. We thought, what if we had uh, someone come in who's older than us, who, who's been doing this Christianity thing longer than we have, and see what they would teach us. So we elected as, as our old guy, uh, my dad. So my dad came and walked our small group through a season. And at the end of the season, he said, I would encourage you all to take out a piece of paper when you get home and write down the core truth of your life, the thing you know above all else. He said, and then put that piece of paper in your sock drawer. And on that day when you're in the pit, when you are on that dark day, and, and you don't know where you're going or how to get there. He said, take that piece of paper out and read it and remind yourself again of what is true. He said, I'll email you what's on my piece of paper and maybe that'll give you some ideas. I couldn't wait to see what this email was going to say. I never heard my dad say that he did that. I thought, what has my dad put on a piece of paper in his sock drawer that carries him through the dark days? So I got the email and I opened it and let us, let us stand and read it together. It said, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, I already knew that. <laughs> it's the Apostles' Creed. It's held the church together for 17, 1800 years. But to be reminded again was priceless. Receive the benediction. Already know you that which you need. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And in that knowledge and power, go in peace. Amen. <laughs>